episode of the weird is new black show episode 25 i believe oh actually it's 26 it's 26 actually oh shit it's nice making them numbers up getting higher and higher and higher each time around but so the cool part is i like having you know dope friends who are out there in the world doing their own thing and paving their own way especially on a creative level and today chilling in my uh Humble abode. No doubt, my humble abode, the man. The past. Yes, my premier <laughs> uh, place of recording. Um, welcome to Mike's apartment, you know what I'm saying? He did. Minus yeah. the roaches and shit. Oh, it was Joe's apartment, right? What? The movie Joe's apartment with the roaches out through, um, come out the walls and oh, the I've light never posts. seen that joint. Word? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I've never seen that That joint. was. That sounds like the, the low-key, like, funny John from, like, the 80s. Like, you see it on the VHS in back in back in the day when they had the VHS bins. You know, oh, what, Joe's apartment, $7? Take that joint out with me. I, I might got to check that joint out. <laughs> that was, like, mid-90s. I think, like, I think MTV put it out. Word. Yeah, so, like, <laughs> it was this dude. We had an apartment, man, and it was just roaches everywhere, bro. They were singing and dancing and shit. Oh, it was just turn. like, yeah, it was. And I was just like, I'm like, look, man, I hate roaches. And if I see start seeing some joints like dancing and singing, y'all can have the apartment. Matter of fact, y'all can have the building. For real, though. I'm out of here, man. But yeah, so I'm here right now. If you recognize the voice already, it's my yeah, homeboy, man. Grande Marshall. It's Pull Up. The Muggle Man is in the building. Yes. Yes. Long time coming, man. You know, we're trying to get this thing going for like, what, a couple months now? Mm-hmm. Yep, and but you know, ain't no better time like the present. Exactly. So I'm glad you're here. So what's going on with you, bro? Same old, same old man, just working, grinding it out. About to drop a whole bunch of new music, about to come back real strong. All me, all original sound as always, authentic as always. Just, you know, just going hard. Living life other than that, but definitely, definitely preparing for, for the resurgence, the reemergence. Dope. And I've... Known you since I want to say 2010, yeah, yeah, yeah. around then, yeah. 2010, mm-hmm. yeah, because back then you were, um, it was interning for the homie Sheldon, yep, at, uh, AUF, yeah. Well, it was AUF was like the the marketing, the branding drawn, and then we had the Radlands, the face brand, and I, yeah, I think there was merch for AUF, but it was really just like the face and the Radlands. And uh, yeah, yeah, back when, back when, I was just the pup for real, for real, like still just like, I don't know, just just figuring out what I wanted to do with life, figuring if I was really going to try to stick to the school route and really like, I don't know, if it's just listening to my parents, listening to my mids, or if I was just going, you know, do my own thing and see where, see where it took me. And I was like, I remember like being like in that, uh, that limbo, that purgatory type of, type of phase. And uh, yeah. Yeah, we're here now. Yeah. We're here now. Them days of being at that uh, mad decent block party. We yeah, used to be yeah, on yeah. the actual block. On the actual block when it was on uh, 12th Street. Yeah. 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 I Rest think... in peace to the mausoleum. Yeah, so, man. I don't know if they still doing like rock shows or anything. I remember there was a time they had a, they had a posting, a listing for um, like an event coordinator or whatever. And I wanted to go in and, and see what, what was up with that, John. That was like right when I moved back. Moved back up here after I graduated high school. And uh, they were just, I don't know. It was just really, really uh, lackadaisical in their approach 
about about getting somebody for that drone. So I just, you know, just chalked it. But yeah, rest in peace to the Maws and the the original Mad Decent Block Party when it was really a block party. I mean, the Piazza drone was fun, but like, I don't know. The block shit was just like, it was more like intimate. It was more Philly for me than yeah, the, than the I Piazza drone like was. I don't like it as how it is now with the, the Penn's Landing, with the Festival Pier shit. Like, I mean, shit gets big. You know, you don't want to stop folk from making no bread, but it's just like, you can still have it on a block. There's still big ass blocks. Like even right. right, even right across the street from fucking uh, the festival pier and all that, where um, the big American flag mural is. And yeah, on that. the wall. Yeah, you could just do. You know what I mean, just have it right over there. Clear the parking lot out and everything, and like it wouldn't be nothing. But you know, folks just gonna do it how they want to do it, how they see. It. I mean, that also comes with other complications when you got liquor sponsors and things like that. Folk, you know, they want to have it in a more secure environment but mm-hmm. you know at cost to the culture of the of the party I don't know I, don't know. I liked it on the block me it too was it was a lot of fun on the mm-hmm. block a lot more wild on the block man mm-hmm. I think that was like my first year there when it was on the block was like the last year that it was on the block yeah same and I was like damn same. man yeah 2010 summer 2010 yeah dude yeah those were the good old times man for real so yeah so I will say this: When I knew you as um, as the intern, and you went to try to do your own thing with inaugural season, yeah, that was gonna be your own clothing brand, right? No, I wanted to have that as like my like my agency, like my my branding agency and whatnot, because I was doing like checkouts mm-hmm. and whatnot, and just like spotlight joints for um, for AUF, because that's what I was doing with inaugural season, like just restaurants, clothing companies, all that. It was like I w- I would read joints like. Um, on and Beyond, boy, Vincent Sang, his shit is tough. Uh, it's old John's it's defunct now, but Minoru Boulevard, it was this boy also from Canada. Um, then, like, uh, a war tour, boy, Philip and and, like, all sites like that. And I don't know. I mean, I, I, I never, ever, ever, ever wanted to have, like, a, a, a nine-to-five or, like a, like, a just, like, what I felt was like a desk job because I just seen like my mids like working for the Department of Agriculture and just all the complaints she used to have like that just pushed me away from ever wanting to just like go with that. So when I seen what niggas like them were doing and how they were just like having this fun and traveling and like, you mean, just, you know, having unique experiences in life and whatnot and just doing things that they love and just being able to just write about it and just take photos. I'm like, bet, like, I got this job, this internship with uh, with housing down there in Maryland. Got a smooth little check off that. Caught me the DSLR. Start taking flicks, getting my eye up, and just you know what I mean, just ran with that shit. And uh, yeah, Nargo season was dope. Um, I don't even yeah, it's crazy even saying that like literally because that's <laughs> I don't know. That's just how I really felt about it. Like it was it was dope. Like it was it was cool to do it. Um, I definitely have met a lot of great people off of it and a lot of folk that have in turn supported my music heavy. And um, just based off of that, because of the content that I delivered from that and it translates into the music. But uh, it's definitely something that I've thought about, I guess like going forward things after music to bring back and do like on a on a full scale type of thing. Just cause, I don't know, it's easy. I've already had the groundwork for it. I just go back with that and then bring it on to the bigger projects started doing branding, you know, for new shit, you know, for things that aren't even, you know, just available to the public. Because that's all I was doing was just checking out stuff that was available to me. So, yeah, that was 
that was like when I wanted to do like the advertising and the marketing joint. I was trying to get the weed and the Kennedy job and work for CMYK and all that. Mm-hmm. Like that was that was a goal of mine, and it still is. I I, I enjoy it. I, I I think it's cool to think up and draw up, you know, these strategies for my music and whatnot. And I feel like you know translating into a the ad industry, it'd be cool because you have way more freedom because it's not, you know, music, you have to deliver, you know, not literally, but, you know, like one of five ways, you know, mm-hmm. and whereas like an advertisement, even like an advertisement for like, you know, like when you see shit for uh, these various medicines and, you know, Zantac and all these things and like the nigga be a fry cook on a food truck at a festival and he got like a heart murmur or something <laughs> like so he takes this pill like but it just fits because mm-hmm. you're, you're just marketing this for any given situation and that's what some products and that's what some brands and some people that's what some of those things you know that's that's the demographic anything so you have fun with those types of stuff and even you know you know that may turn into you know like a, a, a desk job so to speak but I don't know I feel like you know there's you never can go wrong doing what you love. So, you know, maybe there's, you know, a time I go back to school and I get a degree for that, you know, later in life. But, you know, music is just, you know, that's just what I love. So I went with that. You brought up an interesting point. You said how you saw, like, your mom, um, like, at a job, you had a complaints. You were like, nah, I want to do that. Mm-hmm. You have your own avenue. I think it became a point, because I hate the term millennials because, it's just, it just yeah, seems what, it's dismissive. That, you know? It's some weird shit, and I don't like it, man. Even being born in 93, people like give me that shit. And I'm like, what? Like, I, I remember crazy shit from the 90s. Like, right. It's just <laughs> like, that term that can never be, never be applied to me or people that I know. Because what I noticed is that we got to a period in our, in our lives where we realized that we didn't have to do it like our parents did it. Yeah. yeah you know? Yeah. Because you've seen like countless shows and shit or like, People's like parents telling them on like other like uh, celebrity documentaries. My mom said, "Yo, you gotta get a job. You know, you ain't gonna make no money off that rapidly rap shit or all those cartoons you're drawing. You right. gotta get a job because from their generation, all they knew was you gotta get a job. Yeah, you gotta go to college. You gotta get a degree, get a job, and then you know work till you can retire. If you can retire, if the job allows you to retire." And then, yeah, you know, put that burden on somebody else. Exactly. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, like, yo, yeah, you might not make it as a rapper yeah, or, 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 you know, a musician. You know, there's people all the time out there who are musicians. They're making no money. People they in be- the family that are musicians that ain't making no money. Right. And that and third. Yeah, so they trust. see that. I heard it all. Yeah. Right. But I feel like we're, we're in a time now where the game is vastly different, where being an entrepreneur and getting yours your own way is the way to go now. But you see, the the ironic thing about that is that that opportunity is a, a product of, uh, you know, like the, just like the pop culture thing, mm-hmm. you know, with like folks that are really famous for nothing, but then they go and they're able to have these brands that, you know, they make, you know, all this money off of. And it's like, that just opens up the lane because then, you know, for the average man and woman, you know, or, you know, whatever you're going with these days, mm-hmm. uh, in all due respect, <laughs> uh, you know, being famous for nothing is a goal that's unattainable. So it's just like if you have this skill or this lane that you feel like you can jump in 
And if you can just work it just a little bit, folk, you know, they're going to be like, all right, that's a bet. Like, this is John. I see her on Explore page all the time. And she all right. You feel me? And she uh, she also has this makeup line or whatever. It's like it's like lip gloss or some shit. I don't know. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't know. And uh, it's definitely selling well. I'm sure it is. And then out of nowhere, John just starts rapping. And, you know, it's nothing, it's nothing wrong with that. Maybe, you know... That's, you know, something that she wants to do or she's passionate about. But it's like, what I'm seeing a lot these days is people turning their back on what's already working for them to try and do extra things because they feel like doing two things or doing three things instead of one makes you, like, better than the next person. Where it's like, but if all those things are crap, what is the point? You know? So it's just like, yo, you had the makeup line. You're cashing out on that, John. You know, unfortunately, the lane, the window for female rappers is, uh, it's, uh, I, I can't, it's like a mirage. It's it's saturated, but it's a mirage how it's saturated because they make you seem like it's a lot of female rappers or whatever, or like a lot of female or whatever, women rappers, femcees, whatever, rap about the same things or whatever the case may be, you know, just bullshit stereotypes. Mm-hmm. And, uh. Then it just shortens the lane because it's like, all right, well, if you, we got three of those. I guess that's enough. I mean, but that's that's just a whole other topic. But it's just like, I feel like people are able to just like go out and do whatever is because people who have nothing else to do but go out and do whatever have done that. I mean, it's right. just ironic because a lot of people have been very productive, and you know, we've seen a lot of uh, uh, added efficiency to life. Mm-hmm. Out, of, out of that, out of that cause, that that wave, I would say, and it's definitely something that our parents or grandparents have never seen before. Right. Easy, like just even like just being able to have you know uh, a thriving lifestyle, you know, to you know your personal standard without a college degree these days is just like you mean that's a big deal. It's a pretty big deal because when I was in school, it was like you know I remember seeing the commercials. And it was it was a commercial. It was like Poppy Boy. He like sitting on the bench in like New York, and fucking he ain't like go to college or he didn't like get his like high school diploma or some shit. Mm-hmm. And then like some other boy who's probably white sits down. And he got the nice you know what I mean little pea coat on or whatever. And like they sit down and like his his average salary comes up, and then like what the other boy the Poppy Boy's expected salary. If he gets a job because he doesn't have these degrees and shit, like that's I don't know. That was definitely wild propaganda, like for like to go to like school and take out these loans and shit. And that's another thing I seen. So I mean, may I, maybe my Miz would have been able to pay for me to go to school, but the schools I was trying to go to, like especially out of state, mm-hmm. they wasn't cheap. Like you feel me? So I also know that I would have had wild ass loans and. All types of shit, like so. Yeah, I I would definitely say, with the the absence of uh, of ambition, mm-hmm. has definitely ironically produced more more endeavors in our generation. I would say. Isn't that something? Because I remember, like, dude, as I tell you, like when I was in high school, like you know, which was a long time ago. It feels like it anyway. Mm-hmm. Like that was the thing. There was like we didn't have those opportunities or they weren't presented to us that we had any other way of mm-hmm. surviving besides just that. Like, I had to go to college. Right. It's like, yo, because like, listen, if you ain't going to college, 
you know, you gotta get a job or something. Right, right yeah, you gotta yeah. do something around here. I'm like, <laughs> but it's like, because even in school, in high school, it was like, dude, I didn't, I went to a, a music school, mm. right? And that school, music-wise, it was just focused on one area. So like me wanting to do like production, rap production, or just get into rap more, it was just like, they ain't had that. They wasn't, mm. wasn't pushing that. So you had to either go this way or you had no way. Right. So a lot of us, it's like, a lot of us, man, like, yeah, our backs got pushed against the wall. But fortunately for me, like, I got into, like, blogging around, like, 07, 08. Right. And 09, I had the camera and all like that. And I tried to be an intern for, uh... Crossfade and all that. Yeah, you remember? Thanks, man. You know, I remember. Yeah, Yeah, because I tried to be an intern for 205 Magazine at the time. And that didn't work out. Um, But I still managed to be a part of the scene and be around different people and create networks. Right. But that allowed me to be like, yo, like, I don't have to keep doing this shit. This 9 to 5 shit. If I continue to push towards where I want to be and what I want to do, mm-hmm. and mind you, though that was like fucking damn near ten years ago when I had the blog, but you know, but I had to make, I had to make do, you know what I'm saying? And even now, I'm still pushing because it's not an overnight thing. Mm-hmm. I think that's the thing. Also, people don't focus on. It's like, yo, yeah, the people who are famous for nothing, everybody can't do that shit because. Sometimes it does take time for you to get your foot in the door and get that and get that moving. You know what I mean? Because look, that's the thing about the Kardashian model that kind of throws people off. Right. Because like people think, oh man, Kim can do it, I can do it too. It's like, nah, my nigga. Like, because everybody's situation is different. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, that whole family, she came into the into the game with money. Because her pops was up was a high flying lawyer. Who um, defended OJ Simpson <laughs> successfully? I might add. You know what I'm saying. So you got all that. She's coming in with money and all that, and she and she has the ability to do that mm-hmm. and to be able to put forth this persona, this image, and the whole family gets put on that same way. The family was already a you know a, a notable LA you know family. Right. It's easy access to all that type of shit. Exactly. All that Hollywood shit. Yep. Cause dude, cause like look, and I, and I knew when the jig was up when she put out a book. Of selfies, yeah, but that's easy. That's easy bread. It's just easy part of bread. the brand, you know. Yeah, it's like with the makeup, like dude. I saw, I saw. She don't even do her makeup. Girls crying. <laughs> She's selling makeup and don't even do her makeup. And how you know what I mean? And <laughs> at first, I was I can't stand these motherfuckers. But now I'm like, you know what? This is America. America is a capitalist free country, enterprise, free yeah. enterprise. Mm-hmm. So it's like it's destiny, all exactly. That good shit. <laughs> so as much as I, as I get annoyed by that, it's like, you know, that's that's the game, bro. Mm-hmm. And you can't get mad when when the game is the game, right? When it when it uh, teethers in other people's direction, you know what I mean? Exactly. It is what it is. Yeah, man. So I understand it completely, bro. I understand it completely. So, um, you know, I just. I feel like if you can get yours out here, get it, but do it in a way that's respectable. Right. Not right. not for anybody else, because F anybody else's opinion of you. For sure. But do it for yourself. Most definitely. Because I'm look, look back five years from now, I'd be like, I did that shit? What? Like, how many Jones do you know put out, like, sex tapes hoping to get on? And it didn't work out for them. It backfires? Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Ooh, I hope they got insurance for something like that. Right. Like you, for real, you put that's, out a tape trying to get on, or certain dudes put out visiting themselves trying right. to get on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. And I'm like, I might work work for a safari. 
You know what I mean? Because Jones, people are thirsty out here. Or his his level of respect for himself yields to that type of activity. Anyway. Right. Like, my thing is, you can do whatever you want out here behind closed doors. Or if you're a wild cat like that, be wild. But don't be wild like that because you're trying to get a certain amount of attention. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, for me, like, I look at, like, Dennis Rodman's life and shit. Cause I always re- reference on this podcast. So that's my favorite player of all time. Really? Yeah. I'll tell you why. He's because he, he, got, he He's a rebound man. Exactly. Time. And the thing about him Crash was he wasn't trying to be the all-time scorer. He knew he knew what he had to do on the court, and he did it. Every single game. Every yeah, single yeah, game. For real. For real. Grabbed them boards. Right. And as wild as he was off the court, like he didn't do it for attention. That was just him. Yeah, for sure. He was just a wild ass nigga. He's I mean, any boy. nigga that goes out into a game just to grab rebounds is a wild <laughs> boy. That's a wild boy. Like, you gotta respect it. Like, right? He's just only out there to crash boards. Like, for sure. R one, R one. Facts. Like, if you're, gonna, if you're gonna do what you're gonna do, do it because you love to do it, not because anybody else wants you to do it. Most right? Definitely. So, all right. So, I'm gonna get back to um, bridging the gap from. I think when you were rapping, right? Mm-hmm. I caught wind of it because, um, you know, I always followed you on, on, on Twitter and all that, social media, because you the homie. I got to make sure my homies are good. So I saw this 100. video. Huh? 100. 100. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, that's the uh, that's how to get down. So Most definitely. I... I don't got a phone right now, so you know, you mean Twitter and social media might be how you gotta reach me. Yeah, really. and it is. <laughs> that's, how, that's how we did it, man. That's how we made, how we made this thing happen today. For real. For real. Um, you had... Um, you put out a project, right? And it was the Robert Earl joint. And the song, it was a, was it Robert Earl or was it? I'm forgetting the name of the, the song. The song before it was supposed to be called the the Roscoe Orman tape or something. Yeah, the ball, the ball that played Willie Dynamite. Yeah, and and, and he was the ball on Sesame Street. But yes, he, he Willie Dynamite. But Willie Dynamite for life. Because <laughs> you put out the tape, you put you put out. Um, it's like a few songs, yeah, a freestyles, and, and but it was the one joint uh, a lot of people liked that was uh, the Molotov Shrimp joint. That which, was it. It was over. I I still don't know what where that beat came from, but I got it from the boy Illicism, the boy Ilthy from the Thomas, California. Uh, Illicism. He had the tape that was all over all them MF Doom joints. Shout out Illicism, yo Ilthy, Dag. If y'all hear this John, like link with me for real. Like yo. Ilthy, you really forever one of my favorite rappers of all time. For real, for real, bro. Wildin', I still know the words to all that John. Like. For real, like that, yeah. So I, so as being a fan, obviously a bull, I just rapped over his joint and kind of swagged it, kind of like it was my own, put my own hook on it and all that. And uh, yeah, a lot of people. That was like one of the first like low key joints. It's another joint. It's a freestyle. Dave, uh, Dave always be talking about that joint. It was. Uh, it's about Dave. Um, yeah, my man, Young Drogas. Young Drogas. So, uh, yeah. Shout out the small side. Word um, up. But no, it's a track. It was over that beat. Uh, it's like it's got that wild. It's just a loop, like that drum. He said, "Oh, the blackout, the blackout." Word. And it was like the blackout two K nine or something. That it was like an old, old, old joint. And Dave always says that John was some fire young ground and shit. I think that little nigga was whack. I think he was whack as fuck. Young Grande. I'm glad he stuck with it. And you mean he became Grande Marshall today? 
but I will wrap circles around that young boy. He he had heart. He had heart. He had drive and ambition, and I'm glad he stuck with it. Like for real, I gotta say it again. I, I'm I'm glad he did. But I listen to sh- I listen to shit like that, and mm-hmm. I'm just like, yo, this is garbage. It's crazy how like all, so many people just gave me their ear to just like develop so many. Uh, even to like to this day, like I chalk so many songs because I have I'm blind to what people to the, the artists that people see in me. So it's just like, I don't know, it's being like a perfectionist or whatever the case may be, or even sometimes, you know, being insecure about my art. It's just, I don't know. It's always, I listen to that old shit. I'm like, ah, oh, that shit. That shit was bad. But what were you saying? But, but, but that's progress, though. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you want to be an artist, evolution is a part of, a part of the package. Like, you're going to grow if you keep, keep at it. Exactly. Because what, it, what got me was, I didn't... Cause it was it was a four song joint that you ever that, that was out right, yeah. but but one of the joints reason why it stuck out to me because and I got an idea of where you were going with your projects from hence from that point on right was that you had put that song over an anime video. Oh oh uh oh no that was Robert Earl that was That's Robert, Robert Earl yeah I used the go go the thirteenth John. It was wild. I hate anime these days, but like it's yo, that's that's dumb ironic. I definitely had the anime. But Gogo the Thirteenth is hard. It He's was a shooter. Yeah, I, <laughs> he don't do none of that karate shit. Yeah, that car. I was. You saw the car um like drive up the street, man. Yeah, the the yeah, lights flashing. I was like, he was a shooter. He was a fly nigga. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's uh, <laughs> that song matched that video perfectly. I was perfectly. like, yo, this is. It set, it, set, it set the tone. I made that joint on the Windows Movie Maker. <laughs> <laughs> real spell. Real spell. You got to do what you got to do. Like, yeah. For real. Yeah, I made that joint on Windows Movie Maker. Dog, I remember when that program was new. That's <laughs> dating myself like a motherfucker, man. I, I remember that shit was new. That's crazy. Yeah, man. <laughs> that's crazy. Wow. Yeah, that's some other shit. Yeah. So while you, so here's a question I have for you, right? Because mm-hmm. I watched you when you were um on a radio station, maybe somewhere in the DMV, maybe in New York. I, remember you, I saw you freestyling on there. The Tony Toka John, Toka Tuesdays. It was before that. It was like um the the it was like a basement joint. I got on like a gray Stussy uh, crew neck. Yeah, because you were, the microphone yeah. right. You were sitting down that at was, a desk. Uh, yeah, that was uh. That was my first radio interview ever. I remember cannot that. remember what it was, but I remember it's the homie uh, AB and my nigga Dom, the black militant. Shout out Dom. I know you go listen to this, John Good Brother. Like, you be having, you be speaking that good shit on the gram, my man. Real spell. My man Dom is, he militant. He militant. He's a lot. I know a lot of niggas that really they they you know for the cause and, mm-hmm. and everything and you know whatever comes with that. My man Dom, he he he's super militant. He don't fuck around. But uh, yeah, that was the joint, and uh, we was in Long Island City. Frank, damn, Frank was just up here. He he was there too. He'll I can't remember what it was or he even was hosting that. But I remember it was a it was a radio joint that I used to listen to a lot on that joint and uh was real hyped to have been going on there and then yeah we was freestyling and all that yeah yo and i saw that because i saw the hunger that you had while you were yeah, doing it yeah i i wanted to do that i wanted to do that radio interview heavy you, i really like that john if you freestyling that shit i was like yeah i said yeah. that's what i'm talking about because yeah. around that run time you know i um 
you and another Philly rap artist, right? You know, was a uh, well, like the young guys make, making moves. For sure. You know what I'm saying? And because there's a lot of different artists in the city who was coming out doing their thing, but the sound just never resonated with me. Mm. You know, I'm like, I'm not a hater, but I just never really connected with that, but with their sound. So once you did your thing, and I saw you making it happen, how did you go from like unsigned Hungry Cat, right, mm-hmm. to crossing the line to being signed with Fool's Gold? Because I remember your first tape. 800, yeah. GM 800. And like, it's the thing about me and you um, is that you included me on that project, on the visual side of it. That's your photo. Yeah, on, <laughs> for, the, for the mixtape cover. And yeah. I was like, yo, man, I That's was so photo. hyped because you got me um, with, with Heinz. Yeah, shout out Heinz. Yeah. Shout out E. Yeah, so that whole situation, I was like, wow, man. Because it was like one of them photos I was just taking around the city and shit, and it was like, he said, yo, I'm going to use this shit. I said, bet. And I saw how he flipped it. I said, this is nuts. <laughs> it was nuts. Because even um, added like, the, the, the GIF like, effect to it, it was like a flash. Yeah, where it was lighting up. I mean, I was, to this day, that's my logo. Like, you just put the GM. Like, that's my logo. That's the joint. Like, yeah, it was. We wanted to do the OE from the rip, but, like, just having that mm-hmm. as, like, the basis and seeing how good it looked and how it stuck with folk. Like, we just had to run with it, for real. That was beautiful shit there, mm-hmm. man. So also, I want to. I do this all but, the time, man. Well, I was gonna say but, one yeah, back. to answer, but to answer your question though, mm-hmm. about you know, what I mean, I guess having that progression, uh, it's really just like never losing the hunger. Mm-hmm. I've, I, I, there's been times where uh, I, I would say it's more complacency than comfortability, but um, there's been times where I've been like used to this, we'll say, and uh, you have to shake that off. Um, cause you never can. I mean, even when I took like the break and I had to like get my mind right and like, I don't know, just turn the things around in my life that I thought I had to when we was making, uh, my brother's keeper. Uh, you just never, uh, you never lose sight of the artist you want to be and you never lose sight of the person you want to be above all things. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, I don't know, just, just stuck to that. Always, always kept that. At mind and at heart, that like it's bigger than just you know, just rapping. Like, like the platform that comes with that when you when you do things the right way mm-hmm. is way bigger than what the songs sometimes entail. So you know, what I wanted to do as you know Grande or you know, mean Xavier, the human being, like that's things, you know, that I always wanted to make sure that mentally, and then I guess just like humanistically, whatever the case may be, that I wanted to be prepared for. So, mm-hmm. where whereas the music, because each drum, I've always, I never, I never wanted to make the same project or stuff that sound, sounded similar. And I also know that I can't because with the music that I make, because of the emotion that goes into it, it's kind of like a release. I've always said that this music has been therapeutic for me. Mm-hmm. And even like with the things that I talk about, like, you don't have to know me to know that these are these are serious topics in my life and things that are, you know, that if, that affect me and affect those around me. So when I get it out on on pen and pad or iPhone notes and whatever the case, it's it's a release and that's just what it is. That's the end of it. 
So like when folk are like, you know, they want that eight hundred grind they back or whatever, like nigga build a time machine. Because that's over with. That's you know, that 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 young boy, like, he he back in two thousand twelve and two thousand thirteen. Mm-hmm. I'm finna be twenty five. I'm I'm a grown man. It's it's things that I want to do with my life and, you know, things going forward and, you know, living fruitfully and everything. And when I was making 800, I was nowhere near the man I am today that I was back then. I'm not going to, when, see, like going, when I make the music I make to say that someone, you know, they want that person back is going back, is regressing mentally and, and, uh, spiritually and emotionally and a whole bunch of things. It's like areas in my life where I made progress where it's like making a mixtape like risk and reward seven tracks to me is better than sonically than the 14 drawings that I gave you on 800 and you know it's good music on there you know for sure it's some people's favorite tracks on there for sure I appreciate those things but with me it's always been about progress and about moving forward all these projects we had what uh, four now about to be five and six coming up in May and June but each drawn when you break them down whether it be from 800 to Mugga Man as two different themes and then for my brothers keep it a risk and reward as being one drawn like sonically I be in these in these realms and then I exit them and then that's just what it is and you know if it comes out right and it comes out good and the people love it you know we just keep going from there but you just never lose sight of, you know, who you want to be as an artist and what you want to be as a human being above all things. That's dope. Um, but it's, it's back to the idea of evolution and, and progress. Because I remember hearing you on 800, I'm like, yeah, he's on to something, right? Mm-hmm. Then I remember seeing your project you dropped afterwards. Um, it Mugu was Mugu Man Project. And to me, that was like, Definitely a, a step up in terms of you can tell you were coming into your sound, into your groove. Because when I, when that project had dropped, I think I had just moved down to New Orleans at the time. Mm. Yeah, yeah, you were OT for a minute. Yeah. yeah, and when I remember that project came out, I was listening to it. I said, "Yo, this shit is fire!" Because you had not only had the production had um, had it changed in terms of the direction where it was going, mm-hmm. uh, in terms of even your collaborations. We had Remy, my homie Remy Banks on that joint, my first ever outhouse feature. Like, that's the bro, but, like, you know, I was only working with, you know, the homies. Yeah. That was, like, I'm talking about, like, you know what I mean, see every day, and you know what I mean? And Remy definitely, yeah, he stepped up, and he and he nailed that joint. That's definitely uh, an accolade on the, on the list for what Mooga Man was. And shout out to Mooga Mar on the intro of that album. Yeah, yeah, you know what I mean? For real, though. That was, that was awesome. I was, we were, like... I was, I was down now. I'm listening to it on my headphones. I'm like, yo, this. I'm like, she is so Philly right now. I, I, and I felt that vibe like going into the project because Mugga is definitely a Philly term for money. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So that, hearing that, I'm like, yes, this is where we go. Side note, it's funny though. Side note, uh, these niggas from South Carolina, when I dropped that, John, I guess it was somebody down there who was going by the Mugga man. Like, mm-hmm. And they was hot on my ass, like, swagging them and this, that, and the third. And I'm like, what, fam? Like, you're not even saying it right. I don't know what you're saying, but whatever that is, screw that. Because we talking about money. And, yeah, I'm the Mugga man. Like, it's still, 
it's 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 balls that probably go by Mugga and this that and third. But as far as I know, mm-hmm. Ronnie Marshall is the first Mugga man 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 Kel voice. Like you know I mean, it's nothing it's nothing else to it. Like so, I got that one. I don't care South Carolina, West Carolina, East Carolina, University, whatever. I don't. It don't matter. You can be from anywhere. Ronnie Marshall is the Mugga Man, man. Yo, shout out to the, to the repairman uh, reference. You just made to all that, man. They said Cowboys. I was like, yeah, repairman, man, 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 man. That was my shit, yo. Oh, man, that was nice. Hell of a throwback. But one thing I wanted to say, side note, too, because I, like, popped in my head earlier. Mm-hmm. It's funny how the universe, how small it is. Because mm-hmm. you know how you say you rapped on the illicism joint, right? Right. I actually interviewed them dudes. For my for my blog, like back in '09. Yeah, for real. Yeah. Damn. Cause Both it, he's tough. He used to live in Maryland. He did. I didn't know him. I didn't know him when he did, but I heard I heard he used to live in Maryland, like in like Rockville or something. But um, yeah, what Elthies? He is tough. Yeah, cause Elthies when he's yeah, from out in Cali, right? Yeah, from the Thomas, from the North. Yeah, I was like, yo, cause their project was fire. All the projects was fire. All the projects was fire. That shit was crazy. Like out of all, like the I guess like the blog rap whatever scene that was, mm-hmm. like the you know, outside shit, of like yeah. your obvious Jones, like your Dom Kennedys and whatnot. Like Ilthy was like he was definitely like just a standout guy to me. Like he just like mm, woke a spit. Yo, you yeah. woke a spit. He had bars for days. Seriously, and man. he a rap on like. Yo, he had the joint over like the Nelly Furtado Timbo joint, and then uh, he had the joint. He had the joint over. Uh, it was a boom, 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 doo doom, 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 doo. It's the joint, uh, Illicism cruising. Mm-hmm. I'm cruising, cruising. That joint. I, I fuck with the voice he put on the on the hooker joint, yeah. but like, yeah, man, like, yo, them boys, them boys is tough. Them boys is tough. Yeah, shout out to Ellison. Shout out to Dak. You know I mean? No doubt. So here's, uh, I always wanted to know, like, how did you link up with, uh, with Fool's Goat? Well, the homie Vic, the homie Vic that, I, that we all know, uh, he says that he had, pl- he had, like, sent it to him. He had played it for him. Then uh, Hines has said he had sent it to him. I don't know how it happened, you know, whoever did it, mm-hmm. you know, you know, shout out, you know, shout out to them. I, you know, the credit goes to whomever, you know, is telling the truth or, you know, <laughs> I don't know. I don't, I don't want to say it like that because those are two good dudes. But, uh, yeah, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It was definitely uh, some, it was, it wasn't on my part um, with any, any of the labels that were contacting me at the time. About signing with them, we would, me and Frank were just, you know, seeing what the project did and, you know, with the press that we had got and the reception that we had got and just, you know, looked at our options and then, uh, you know, talked to OG Bear, talked to Emil, talked to Homie E-Mind and uh, a few others and was just, you know, looking at, you know, my life. You know, I was only 19 at the time and uh, was just like, yeah, fuck it. Sign with him. Yeah, it's crazy. Uh the homie Noah was saying, uh, this was like a year or two ago, he was saying for like four or five years, the only Philadelphia artist, rap artist, with the with the recording contract, like a legal recording contract, and not with some niggas from up the way, 
or nothing like a, a recording contract was just me and me until Tunj and and, uh, and Uzi. You know I mean mm-hmm. and shouts out to both of them, but I never even thought about it like that. Like just like I mean, and just, and, you know, I mean, Meek was you know booked up at the time. Unfortunately, dealing with that nut ass judge, but um, mm-hmm. yeah, it's just wild. Like thinking about like that type of statistic. Like it's it's not like a points per game statistic, so it's not nothing too crazy. But like, mm-hmm. yeah, to be the only nigga with a deal on the bricks for four years, like. Scotty Marshall, nobody else. Damn dude. So uh, we just you know end up going with them, and uh, it's been a learning experience. That's mm-hmm. all I can say about that one. It's a learning experience. I remember when I first saw it, like I don't know how I found out or what, like who told me first or whatever. But when as soon as I heard, it, I said, "Oh, what?" I said, yo, that is fantastic, man. Because I was happy for you because I'm like, he's out here grinding. He's a good dude. Yeah. Right, I want him to get you his. You got it. Folks that seen it close hand like you did kind of seen it happen, you know what I mean, relatively quick, quicker than most people that try and go out, you know, and, and make music, you know, from scratch mm. and just, you know, try and do their thing with it. Like, especially, like I said, being at 19, like, even having the time and, like, you know what I mean? The resources and like the finances just to even like do all that shit and just still be living on my own. Like, yeah, I would say that y'all saw things turn around for me relatively quickly for real. Yeah. But I will say that it's a comment on what you made earlier about how honest you are when it comes to making your music. Mm-hmm. Like, you've always been like, you put your soul on like through the pen. On the paper, like that's been you because I remember your follow product to Mugga Man was my brother's keeper. Yeah, and the front cover that was that you and your older brother. No, that's my brother and my two nephews, Xavier and Alex. Shouts out to them, to all of them. I hear Xavier and Alex are doing very well. You know what I mean? In school and whatnot. I'm proud of y'all. You feel me? (laughs) Indeed. So, what was the uh, importance of naming uh, that project my brother's keeper? Or MBK for those, you know, uh, with, hashtagging. With, with, like, the things that were going on in my life on the personal tip and just looking around at, like, my relationships with folk and, you know what I mean, with homies, with family and women, all types of stuff, uh, I felt like I needed I needed to... Th- that was, like, the proper release that I'm, that I'm talking about, like, with, with, like, the therapy, like getting things out there i mean you know some stuff may sound like hot bars but like it was it was a lot of things on there that's like is is deeper than rap down to the cover and uh yeah i only rap about you know what phase or stage of life that i'm in at the moment so it's like Mooga Man is the way well 800 the way that it sounds it sounds hungry it sounds like somebody that's you know they're trying to they're they're putting forth their best effort on the introduction, mm-hmm. and then the Mooga Man joint was really just niggas having fun making music. That's like the one time I've had like sheer fun, no obligation, no responsibility, making music. And MBK, it was more so just you know just getting emotions out and just like really like you know making yourself vulnerable on on these tracks for real for real. So. Definitely did. I just I remember the video mm-hmm. from uh, MBK. He was just like just riding through the town. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wanted every. I wanted them to be strong. Like I, I always wanted all the videos to be strong and to be eye catching. But like with MBK, it was 
like like the call for the storm because risk and reward is also like a project where I I batch those two together into a theme because my brother's keeper is like, all right, shit is to defend. Niggas need to do damage control, you know, you know, uh, turn fast and set my life around. And then risk and reward is like, all right, bet. Like we starting to see, you know, positive results from these things from, from our actions. So let's just keep going. You know what I mean? Word up. Word up. So now we go into risk and reward, right? Mm-hmm. How you? How do you define that? Risk and reward to you, yeah. Like uh, just everyday life. You know what I mean, I mean, when you, especially living in a city like Philadelphia, when you get up and you walk out the house, mm-hmm. you know, being able to come back home and get back in the house, you know, what I mean, that's the reward to the risk of leaving it. You know, no matter what you're doing out here, straight as straight as the arrow. You know, Philadelphia is Philadelphia, mm-hmm. and uh, I don't know. That was definitely when. Uh, how do I say this? Uh, you know, just extracurricular activity. And that's just how I felt. That's that's just what type of time I was on. Just, you know, just just getting into that. And, you know, the the positive results from that. And it translated into the music. Whether it's tracks like Adore, um, the A-side and the B-side, um, All Man, the intro, uh... I mean, really, all the tracks. If I if I if I keep going, I'm just gonna end up naming all the songs, <laughs> and that's just that's just how I felt. I just those seven songs were the strongest, the strongest from me, and that's just how I felt in the streets, just you know, moving around how I was. And you had one feature on the joint. Um, so it was one of them track five. A brother, I interviewed him for the podcast. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. my bro, Paulie. Yeah, yeah. I, I had to hit him with the with the comment on my way home type joint. That's always a track that has always stood out to me in like the lexicon of all the music that Kanye has put out because on my way home, late registration was by the time you hear that song, late registration is already in full swing and you're already you're already like ankle deep into a very good album. And then he just hits you with his legendary homie for the legendary, you know, one verser, and it's just like, bam, like, let's keep it going. And that's always something that I wanted to do with uh, not only uh, Sue, but with Izzle, with Dave, with Fry, Chan, like, you know what I mean? Any of the homies that spit, like, just giving niggas, like, the opportunity to just, like, you know, come out and, you know, do their thing on the track. The beat gonna be hot, because I'm, I'm allowing that John to get that far. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, yeah, y'all do y'all thing, and we're gonna rock out. So here's the thing for you, right? So what do you have on the way now? Like what? Not just that, because I asked kind of a cliche question, like, "Hey, what's coming up next?" Mm-hmm. But like, in terms of what direction are you going into now? Because you're 25, so you're going into the grown man phase. Is like, what's what's on the table for you now in terms of the music that you're putting out? Well, I mean, sonically, it's just more jewels, I suppose. Is 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 more things that I picked up on is. It's uh, it's a different way that I'm moving with uh, mm-hmm. how extra my curricular activities have gotten, and uh, yeah, I say this is really hustle music. Like if you really out here trying to get it, I mean it don't have to be, you know, you know, no, no future or nothing, but it's it's damn near there. We 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 waiting at the same trolley stop, so no doubt. You feel me? Well, I don't know, I don't know if if, if it's really future, but you know what I mean. Niggas is all waiting at the same trolley stop at one point, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, just. Putting out that John, and I got the ten track joint. Uh, that's just gonna be tough. That's just gonna be real tough. 
Looking forward to it, man. I mean, it's a, I'm always, again, I'm always a fan of what you do, you know, and I'm happy that you stuck with it. I'm happy that, uh, you know, you stuck in, like, you're still like, in the same state of mind. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Because, oh, you know. Definitely. Most definitely. You can't let this shit shake your mental. Yeah. Next topic I wanted to ask you about. For sure. Was, uh, you know, we are both fans of hip-hop music. You know, um, we have our, you know, our, our connections to it. And this artist, you actually worked with one of his day ones on one of your projects. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Shop, big homie. GLC. You know what I mean? My man was I Am The Ism. An incomparable, incomparable human being. Yo. A, a, a very solid dude. When I, Like I was saying at the beginning, when you look at the artist that you want to be and the human being that you want to be, when you look at a, a nigga like GLC, mm-hmm. he, he sacrificed the artist that he wanted to be for the human being that he wanted to be. When you see the things, because I follow him on the gram and you know I mean and all that, we used to, you know, communicate. We used to talk pretty heavy back when you know, prior to and a little bit after working and when I first met him. And uh the things that he's doing for Chicago, you know, you know, one man can't change, you know, uh, you know, a city as a human being, but uh the impact is there, you know, and it's genuine and it's and it's real. The things that he wants to do, and it's just like he says, you know, it's change, you know, you know, change is there. You just gotta see it. So definitely, yeah, I I, I just gotta say that about GLC. You know, he's an incomparable human being. There's, there's nobody like him for real. Right. So what he's referring to, he said that the whole change thing was Kanye had a. Uh, if you've been following like the the, the tweets as of late, you know, was, and by the time this is recorded, this has happened like a couple of days ago. Mm-hmm. He made a statement that probably um, still be going. Yeah, it hasn't stopped yet. He, he stated that um, Obama did nothing for Chicago, nothing had changed, and uh, GLC responded and said, "Look, bro, I said um, things are happening here. You ain't been here in seventeen years, right? This ain't hashtag. This ain't Calabasas, dude. This is Chicago." He said, "Man, just come come back home and see." Because I mean, I've seen if you follow GLC on Instagram, like Grande does, like you see that. He's down he with is, the men of respect. He is on the grassroots. He yes, is on he the is. bricks, putting his hands, putting his hands and shit, changing, changing, changing the tide. Meeting with people mm-hmm. because he's one of the OGs from from with Chicago. folk in the neighborhood, yep. not not no white folk in in city hall that have never seen Inglewood and have never been on his blocks. He meeting with folk in the neighborhood, the city councilmen and women in his neighborhood. The way that you're supposed to do it. You know what I mean? Yes, indeed. Now he's he's doing it the right way. So now. A shift from that to the Kanye situation, you know. I, you know, I've, I've watched Joe Button's uh, podcast, his opinions on it. You know, yeah. even the pull up ep- episode. Shout out to you, pull up out here. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> pull up episode three where he, uh, Arian Foster was on there with a few others discussing. Uh, Foster, he a wild boy. Yeah, I talk about that. <laughs> but Kanye, <laughs> uh, he uh, was discussing. You know all the tweets, the only thing that was happening, and uh, you know the two songs that came out, the Poopy the Scoop joint, which was like I still ain't heard that joint. I can't find it. I don't subscribe to none of that shit. Yeah, you ain't right missed right. nothing, bro. I know I ain't. He's talking. He be saying that. Yeah, and you can tell like it was like a, a, a attempt at trolling or whatever. Okay. But then um, he did a song recently with Ti. Always a situation when I'm involved. <laughs> yeah, I was. I heard that shit. I was like, yo, that don't... was. Hey, they was right though on, on Hot Nine Seven. That's some Kanye shit. If you put that joint on the beat, niggas is gonna fuck with that joint. Yeah. But he's an asshole. 
at the moment. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Facts. It's like you put a song out now recently with T.I. called Kanye vs. The People. Okay. And it's like both of them, it's like a debate rap song. And T.I. Disney? T.I. like, yo, man, you saying it's wrong. People are just doing this and doing this and doing that. You know what I'm saying? Okay, And Kanye T. like, well, I'm standing for this and that. And it's like, it's, it's a... It's a hey, yo. It's a... What do you call them joints? It's, it's like a mock trial. It's, it's like, it's like yeah, a rap mock trial. Yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? The Going back and forth. The persecution of Kanye West. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This nigga's crazy. Oh, my gosh. Oh, yeah. So it's, so it's that... And so, you know, he um, he got his hair cut, right? So he got back to regular, like, close haircut kind of that he used to be. And he put under the caption, my idol is Emma, right? Who is that? Emma Gonzalez, the, uh, she was a teenager, one of the teenage survivors of the Parkland shooting. Okay, for sure. Shout out to her. Right. And so she responded and put, my hero is James Shaw Jr. Who that? The brother who, um... Oh, Waffle House. Yeah. Shout out to him. Good yeah. brother. Good brother right there. Exactly. Good brother right there. Word up. <laughs> Indeed. For real. So Shout out to him. <laughs> she chose him as the, as that. You know what I mean? And this is an actor named Josh Gad who responded and said, yo, he said, Kanye, you can't root for Rocky and Ivan Drago at the same time. <laughs> Fuck both of them. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck it. Is that a white guy? Who, Josh Gad? Yeah. Yeah, he's an actor, um, comedic dude. G-A-D-O-N? G-A-D. Because he was saying how okay. you can't root for, for, for Emma. Rocky and fucking... Drago, yeah. Bad analogy, fam. But I, know, but I understand what he was trying to say, you, you know what I mean? You the Family Feud X for that job. <laughs> that was a bad one. The survey is, no one put that on the survey. It's like, you can't root for um, Black Panther and... and Donald um, Trump. Yeah, Trump at the same time. Or like uh, on comic book joints, you can't go for Black Panther and uh, Ulysses Claw at the same time. Okay, okay. I still ain't other. seen the movie because my bootleg man ain't come through with that drum, but for sure. <laughs> I got a piece of that drum. Support black businesses, but we winning. No doubt. My dollar ain't gone. Niggas, niggas getting money. Facts. They bro, making billions of dollars. I'm support the ready. bootleg man and support another <laughs> black business. You understand me? Neighborhood barbershop. Hey man, I got what you need. Got yeah, what you need over here, man. Got that Jumanji <laughs> too, bro. Hey, yeah, hey, he pull up with the Jumanji. I might grab that joint too. Ten for two for uh, fifteen. Good night. <laughs> yeah, real. man. So mad joints that way, bro. But like, for so we, we see this and we see this change. And like for me, I take I took a logical standpoint on it versus getting my emotions involved. Mm-hmm. Because I see what's going on here. I view it as people say like, oh no, he's trying to, you know, push free thought. And I understand it, but I also see it as a, a, a cry for attention in a way, right? Definitely. He's talking that. about all this music that he's allegedly produced because I don't... Because you're putting all these projects, then you're like, boom, Trump. And the thing is, like, dude, I am... I, I am a person who is an independent <laughs> exactly. thinker. Then like boom, Trump, exactly, Trump, right? <laughs> like I'm an independent thinker. You know what I'm saying? And yeah, like I don't subscribe to like any party system. Like I'm not Republican. Like I'm a Democrat because I was like born into it. But like I vote for who I think will do the best job. But okay, before you continue, let me right. ask you this though. Okay, are you are you uh, available to your opinions being criticized, or are you available to the opinions of others? That's a that's a yes because you're not a bigot, right? So you feel me? That's the thing about this whole free thinking thing. P- 
people think that because there's a lot of people that subscribe to that, and I don't, I, I don't because opinions, ideas, everything, it's all up for debate. You know, yeah. you can believe anything, whether it be you know, from things as as uh, profound and and personal as as religion and spirituality to you know, does one plus one equal two or eleven? You know, right? It's just it's just an idea. You know, it's it's up for debate. You know, it may be you know inane, but it's up for debate. And this whole free thinking thing is there's there's no the line between opinion and fact is distorted it's basically not even there because people project their opinions because with social media we have all these plat we all have this individual platform now this this so- this soapbox that reaches around that stands on the world and opinions just become fact now and that's it's foolish it's just like even like with the shit that i say i know it's not law i mean but you know it's just how i feel but if someone feels different you know I may be a jackass, but you know, with things that ma- where the conversation matters, we're gonna have that conversation. Right. And I don't think this free thinking shit. I don't think that's going. But I feel like, but for you, the one thing I will say about all this is that I feel as though if you do have <laughs> an opinion or there's a thought that you want to share, mm-hmm. you should be able to do that without motherfuckers being all like up in their feelings. Trying to like burn you out of town. Well, there's a whole new level of sensitivity exactly. in, in in society that is just like I don't know. You know, I think it's because the older generation has always put on this hard ass, you know, tough as nails image forth. Mm-hmm. When it's you know niggas was sensitive back then. Niggas was you know crying about shit back then. I'm sure all that, but. I think because people have been pushed to be so tough and to be so hard and you mean not like gangster or whatever because everybody ain't you know it's not even a matter of of, of the streets it's just a matter of just toughness of just like this you know skin mm-hmm. this top surface toughness that everyone is supposed to have that a lot of people are just like fuck that shit I'm gonna be sensitive to everything because that's how I feel and that shit is ridiculous it's like like back when we were like youngins on Twitter and shit, just being able to go on Twitter and just say like mm-hmm. some wild ass shit that you know you probably shouldn't have said, but you didn't. And when I say wild ass shit, I don't mean like fuck all niggers or someone saying like you know kill all the Muslims or something. You know that's just wrong. That's morally wrong. Right. I'm saying like being on Twitter and saying like. uh uh, what's something? Well, one that I like a lot is the boy Terry Roger on the Boston Celtics. He said, he said it's a shame Osama bin Laden wanted to kill all those people because he probably would have been a wild hooper, and Osama bin Laden just so happened to be six five. So you feel me? That's some wild ass shit. That <laughs> you know what I mean? In taste. Is not the best thing it's to not say, the same, right? but you know what I mean he was a youngin. You know what I mean it was some wild. It was funny to him because you're a young boy. Like you feel me? I have tons of shit like that that I deleted. That's you feel me? Not even worth you know trying to look up because you're not even gonna know what to search and it's all deleted. I guarantee it. Fucking that just like yeah. But and my whole thing is like even with shit. Somebody ever came to me about some shit that I said on Twitter. I've been on Twitter since like oh nine, and I'm really contemplating deleting that drawing soon. 
just mm-hmm. because this whole sensitivity shit, I don't like it. I don't like it. It's like nothing can be said. And it's like there's there's a, uh, a level of appropriateness for sure, but it's like there's certain shit. I seen something where someone was making a joke about why there's traffic on their local highway, and they had a video with like construction workers stretching. Yeah. And the John was like, uh, "That's my dad, and he works, you know, from four to four. And, uh, and it's like, <laughs> come on, yo, like nobody it's, it's, was getting at your dad. Joke. Like it's, it's a, a joke. joke. We is bidding. Like, come on, like." Where is the room for jokes anymore? Like, cause I'm a type of person that's going to bid, and I might fucking bid to the point where it might be you for me. You might feel a little offended or be like, yeah, damn, that was that was a lot. But I'm still, yo, we're gonna be laughing. Like, it'd be times where I be laughing and folk be like, damn, are you laughing? Are you laughing at me? I'd be like, no, I'm laughing with you. They'd be like, but I wasn't laughing. I'd be like, but nigga, it was funny. <laughs> like, but it was funny though. Right. So, you know what I mean? It ain't like I'm going to be laughing when you fell down a flight of steps. Like, no, it's shit that's actually funny. So, I don't know. I, I, I feel like the there's a huge distortion between like what is just, you know, what is just said. And then you have the folk that are just like, with this whole freedom of speech thing, people think that it's just like the free thinking. People think that freedom comes without uh, the test of of captivity. Like, no one. There's there's no such thing because people are always gonna want to stop you from being free, no matter Bars. how you want to look at it. Like, there's nothing. Like, even even if you're trying to steal something, as basic as it is, if you're trying to force the freedom and you're trying to steal something. Niggas is going to try to stop you from stealing. So, like, so just thinking, like, oh, you're just going to be able to say whatever and be like, oh, we got freedom of speech. Like, if someone can't stop you from saying it, like, verbally or get at you for saying it, they're going to take it to the next level. And they're going to take it to the next level. They can't get you. If they can't beat you from saying it, niggas might shoot you from saying it or some shit. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. You know, God forbid, you know, anybody's situation, it comes to that. But that's just, you know, the risk that you run by just running out here saying anything, and then we're not even talking about with the Kanye shit in that in that context, but it's just bare bones with this whole freedom of speech thing. Like niggas just think it's even just like burning a flag or something. I'm totally with that. I'm totally with burning an American flag. Like give me on record. I'm I have I have nothing that I want to do where that's gonna hurt me. So you feel me? I'm I say it right now. Like burning the American flag. If that's how you feel, for sure. Like I definitely agree. But if you go down Dilworth Park and set an American flag on fire, niggas is gonna get at you. If you go in front of Independence Hall. And you stand across the street from the John because they're not going to let you walk over there. They never let anyone walk they don't, over there. They hard body and they let there. you stand across the street and you try to set an American flag on fire, they're going to get at you. Because outside of the risk that you run setting something on fire, that's still something that's testy. So it's just, I don't know. There's, there's, there's definitely a, a reconciling that needs to go on with this whole you know what can be said and not said, but back to the the, the Kanye, back to our schedule. But, but that, you know I mean? but the, where you went with it is perfect because I remember like, look, I am a fan of comedy. You dig me? Mm-hmm. I grew up because I was the only child. My parents were young, so their comedians were my comedians. Right. So I mean, when my pops was born, my own pops born in the '60s, so like 
they're like they were up on Eddie Murphy. That was my guy too. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, Mr. Rest Pryor. Rest in peace, my man, Robin. Uh, Robin Harris. Robin Harris. Yeah. Right. Rest in peace, my man, Robin Harris. Robin Harris, Richard Pryor. Like you had all these comedians out here. George Carlin. You even had uh, my man. Uh, brutal dudes. Yeah, brutal dudes. Mitch Hedberg. P.L.P. From he's in. He's a modern one, but definitely shout out to him. That's right. Name. Lenny Bruce was preceding mm-hmm. that. Like so, you had these comedians, and comedians at best were can be deemed as sociologists. Mm. In terms of that, they're not, mm. Mm. they detail what they see and turn it into humor, right? But it comes from a real place. So let's fast forward to, um, one of my favorite comedians is Dave Chappelle. And let's forward to um, his... The genre he was talking about homosexuals. Yeah, and transgenders, right? And to me, I know comedy to be like, to be what it is, it's not used as a weapon of, of hatred, Right. Ever. And I know Dave Chappelle, like Dave Chappelle. Laughter is not a weapon. It's not. <laughs> it, right. Because Dave, I remember like, because Dave isn't a hateful person. You not know what I'm all. saying? So the jokes he made, I mean, they were like, they were raw jokes. But if you listen to him, you know off the bat, like, he don't mean nothing, anything by it. Oh, he's smoking this, smoking that. There's no malice. Exactly. There was nothing there for it. So I remember I got, in, got into debates with people on Facebook about it. And I was like, nah, I'm like, and people aren't seeing, seeing the point. I'm okay, cool. I understand, like, yes, people are being persecuted and people are being mistreated out here. Got you, but Dave isn't the guy, isn't, isn't the guy he's for it. He's not doing that. He's not doing that. Right. He's not, he's not perpetuating the idea to do that with, with the jokes. Exactly. So fast forward to the next one. He explained to everybody, listen, so I'm not out here trying to put anybody down or treat anyone as if they're lesser than than me. Treating like a regular he said he nailed it. Yes. If, if you if y'all want this acceptance and you want to be looked across the board as a human being as you should be as a regular person, yes. you're going to get fucking joked on cuz you're a group of people. You're a unique group of people. You're going to mm-hmm. get fucking joked on. And as long as it's nobody calling you, you know, something you don't want to be called or trying to incite violence or nothing, you know, you don't laugh along with it cuz Black folk get joked on by black comedians all the time, and it's shit that if a white comedian said it, the niggas would fucking wear his wear his ass out. Right. But coming from a black person, it's just like you know what I mean, for sure. So maybe if there is a homosexual comedian, a gay comedian, or you know, whatever the Johns may be, mm-hmm. uh, that you know has jokes, and you know maybe they'll laugh at that. But until then, you know, again, as long as nobody's trying to get y'all hurt. I don't see, it's just like what we was just saying. I don't see what the harm is in a joke. You shouldn't take it that personally. It's just like, it's like, like, I guess like when folk joke on like white folk and like they like kind of like take it personally or whatever or like, I guess like get offended, whatever the case may be. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, but it's not like no one jokes on white people about the Holocaust. You mean they nope. joke on white people about not seasoning foods <laughs> and like right. walking slow on the sidewalk, shit that white people do that, you know, unless you're going to get mad, you should just laugh at. You feel me? So it's just like, I don't know. It's, you know, it's a level of appropriateness. And, you know, if you have a sense of morality, you're never going to take it there. Right. And it's all about the it's. Not gonna be screaming nigger in the fucking laugh factory. Yeah, like Kramer. You know what I'm saying? Because <laughs> comedy, to me, when done correctly, it details the human experience. That's why I love Patrice O'Neill. It was that same P-I-P, thing. Yeah, you know what I'm yeah. saying? Chris Rock. It, it details 
where you are and where you come from. Like, though you might not like, people that might not like Seinfeld across the board, he That's speaks from a place. Life for someone exactly. in that demographic. For a, you know, well-to-do, white, you know, bull living in a nice-ass neighborhood in Manhattan that knows New York. That's right. from New York. So you got to... You gotta appreciate that for what it is. It may not be your story, but it is Everybody someone's story. Everybody loves Raymond. It's the fucking Italian family living in Queens, living far out of Queens mm-hmm. that don't get into the city life and shit like that. It's a demographic for that. Yes, it you is. I mean, King of Queens. Yeah, exactly. You feel me? It's something for everybody. <laughs> and then, but I think nowadays it needs to be more for everybody. Like be more stories for like for Asian Americans. You know what I'm saying? But like, yeah, shout out to Fresh Off. I just voted for Fresh Off the Boat to get a new season in the USA Today joint. I don't know if we, it does anything, but they had a they we had need a to. legit ass poll mm-hmm. about the shows that were up for cancellation and shit. Fresh Off the Boat because the that book is incredible. It was. Shout out to Eddie Wong. All right, Grande. What words do you want to leave the game with? Man, I just want to say, man, just you know, always keep it real with yourself. And then in turn, always keep it real outwardly. Project authenticity. Be a sincere human being. You know, even if, you know, sincerely fuck you, you know, be sincere about it. Be real about it. That's always going to pan out right for you if you keep it real. Word up. Just like that. That's for another episode. <laughs> it's like that. <laughs> it's like that, y'all. Uh, another episode of The Weird is a New Black Show with my homie Grande Marshall. Great convo. Yes, indeed. I'm just going through. <laughs> killer got the best of me, but great combo. No, nah, real spell. Who's out, man? Word up, and we out. Peace.